Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ball Parks to Buzzer Beers Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Morzinos, and today, guys, we have a great episode on tap for you today. So let's get straight to it. So where are we really going to start with um, for this episode? I think there's only one place to start with. It's got to be the Boston Celtics. Their embarrassing performance in game in um, game seven. And I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm I'm really really I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I thought they would lose game five. I came on this podcast and I said I thought they would lose game five. It's clear that they did not lose game five. No, obviously not. They won. And then I didn't fall into the trap. I didn't think they would win then. I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win at all. But then after watching game six and the quite, quite frankly, miraculous play from Derek White in order to do that. So... So here's here's the issue, right? After game five, I believe, but I still I still went into game six and I still said that I think they're gonna lose this game. The Heat, I don't know if you guys know this, the Heat have the highest winning percentage of any franchise all time in game sixes. They're at home, they've lost two straight. I don't think Jimmy Butler's gonna let them lose. And then after game six, and after the miraculous play, I was like, This is the Dave Roberts seal. This is the miraculous play that the Boston Celtics needed. This is the moment that is going to bind this team together. They finally won a game where they only shot 7 for 35 from 3. That's 20%. And that's awful. That's abysmal. And they still came out with a win. They still came out with a win. Even after completely just probably the worst formants of basketball I've ever seen protecting a lead. Where they give up 10 points. Al Horford fouls in the corner. Probably a foul. Possibly a double dribble by Jimmy Butler. Doesn't really matter at this point. But Jimmy Butler goes, he shoots three free throws, and you think it's over. You think it's over. And then Derek White crashes the rim, barely gets it off. It goes in, and then after game six, I was saying to myself, I don't see how they lose game seven. I don't think they're going to lose game seven. They're coming back home. The crowd's going to be very, very loud, and every inclination I've gotten since game seven is that the crowd was very, very loud. So I assumed that this game, I could see the Celtics blowing this team out. I, I thought it was be a close game. But there's I thought it was more like the Celtics blew the team out than the Heat blew them out. And I don't think that's, you know, saying much. But still. And to see them come out and really, you knew at the end of the first quarter when they were down 22-15. And... They went over 10 from the first quarter, uh, from three in the first quarter. You kind of knew. You were kind of sitting there going, oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Like, this is not, this is not going to be good. And that's when the win kind of went on the seals. Then they made that little run towards the third quarter, which was really the Derek White run. Um, there's no doubt about that. That was basically Derek White, who I thought was the best player on the floor. For the Boston Celtics. And we'll get to Jason Tatum. And we'll get to Jalen Brown here in a minute. 
But that Derek White run, I thought that was their biggest chance. That was definitely their biggest chance to do something. And they just, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, you have to win those first two, three, four minutes, really. That first half of the first quarter, so the first six minutes. Um, and they they came out flat. I think I saw something like a twenty-two to five run, something ridiculous like that. And it was you're sitting there and you're going, like, you're emptying the bench with six minutes left in the fourth quarter in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, at home, at home after coming after fighting almost all the way back from three. You fought to tie the series back at three zero. But you just couldn't finish the job. A team that you had 13 more regular season wins against. A team, a game where Jim, Jimmy Butler was good, 28 points, but where you guys, you're letting guys like Duncan Robinson torch you for 10 points to where he's taunting the crowd. Kayla Martin shoot 11 for 16, 67% from deep, and score 26 points. And granted, Caleb Martin was hot all series. He averaged 19.3 points, which is absolutely ridiculous. There was a legitimate point in that series, especially towards like game five through probably seven, where I was legit, legitimately more scared of Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin shooting the ball than Jimmy Butler. Like that was a legitimate thing that was like worrisome. I mean, he shot 49% from deep. This series. Gabe Vincent shot 51.6%. Duncan Robinson at 48.4%. Kevin Love, 55.6%. Granted, he didn't play in the last two games. And then you look at the Celtics in this series and their three-point percentage. Guys like Jason Tam, 23.4%. Jalen Brown, 16.3%. Then you really had the two guys that basically were getting you places. Derek White and Marcus Smart. I didn't think Marcus Smart was bad at all during the comeback. Derek White... Basic 49% from deep. Marcus Smart was shooting 36% from deep. But then Al Horford, a guy who I thought looked slow all series long, shooting 27.6%. And then the big one, Malcolm Brogdon. Granted, I think he was seriously hurt. He was much less effective in this series than the Philadelphia series where he shot 16.7% from three in this one. And then you got like Grant Williams who also was around 43%, who I actually thought had... Outside of really getting in Jimmy's face in Game 2, I actually thought he had a decent series, and I thought that him and Rob Williams should have played more than um, than Al Horford, especially in Game 7. I thought Al Horford looked slow. And looking at the box warrior, you got, you got a guy like Rob Williams. Why is he only playing 14 minutes? Why is Grant Williams only playing 16? I thought those numbers should have been moved up a little bit. I thought Al Horford at 34 minutes was... Not great, and granted, this was this. You can make a case that this was one of his better games of the series, and I, I just don't, I don't understand how a team like this just doesn't show up for a game seven, especially when a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who's clearly ineffective, and this is on Joe Mazzulla, my, a minus fifteen in seven minutes, embarrassing, and if they were going to do this, they should have, they should have just gone swept. Because then Joe Mazzulla would have been fired, which I think is what would be better for the team. Because now you're looking at a situation where it's like, I I just don't I don't know if Joe Mazzulla is the guy. I I don't think he's the guy. And there, uh, the news came out that they're going to lose three assistants um, this year. So 
I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, I think that if they came back, they should have had to come all the way back. And if they were going to do this, they should have lost, and bigger changes would have been brought about. Because the fact that Joe Mazzula is going to be here next year, quite honestly, is a little ridiculous. A little ridiculous. And hopefully they bring a veteran coach on staff. I don't think Joe's getting fired. But hopefully, especially if a guy like Mike Bullenholzer doesn't get a job, he's a guy I would look at to bring in. Um, I don't have many veteran assistants off the top of my head. Maybe a guy like Frank Vogel. Um, maybe a guy like Steve Nash, although I don't think he's all that impressive. But somebody like that, just to bring in, just to help Joe Mazzula with in-game adjustments because I thought timeouts were again a problem in this series. Um, some lineups decisions were a little confusing. So, and that's definitely something to look at. And then in terms of the team, I mean, there's not obviously the big domino is Jalen Brown. And t- I think the debate between Tatum and Brown is over. Like, Tatum's the better player here. He's going to stay here. And... Although he had a bad game seven, I'm not going to kill him for it. I thought he was severely limited because of the ankle. Was that the reason they lost? Absolutely not. It was absolutely not the reason they lost because they've won games where Tatum hasn't played well before. They've definitely won games where he hasn't. And this was Brown's chance to play, like, by definition, what he was this year, a top 10 NBA player. And he probably played more like a top 200 NBA player. The way they played was abysmal. Eight turnovers is awful. But... You get to a guy like Jason Tatum, who's going to be here for the foreseeable future. In and you're gonna I think it's likely that Jalen Brown's here next year as well. But we'll get into Jalen Brown a little bit um very, very shortly. But a guy could a guy like Marcus Smart be on the way out? Could a guy like Al Horford maybe retire? I don't think that's completely ridiculous and I don't Honestly, I don't really hate it. Um, I just don't think that it's the way to go. And it's a little just concerning for... Um, it's just it's just concerning of what's going to be happening. And I think a guy like Marcus Smart should seriously be looked at being traded. Very, very seriously be looked at being traded. And you look at... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's thrown. Now, do I think Jalen Brown's going to get traded this offseason? Let's head into that conversation. I don't think he is. Um, he's making about $28 million this year. Could you trade him and Marcus Martin probably a pick or two for Damian Lillard? Yes. Could you trade him and Marcus Martin for Bradley Beal and get, maybe get picked back in return? Yes. Um, you could do that. Both of those trades are successful per the ESPN NBA trade machine. But is that the smart move? And you can look and you can say, okay, well, Jalen Brown and Jason Tam, six years, six years together. They've been in four Eastern Conference Finals. They have a one and three record, so one Finals appearance, which they lost to the Golden State Warriors. Their three losses, one was to the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, and then two were due to the Miami Heat, one this year, one in the bubble, and they beat the Miami Heat as their only win. And then you look at a team which is very similar to what the Celtics have going on right now. And that's the Oklahoma City Thunder of the late 2000s, early 2010s, really the early 2010s more so, where this is a team that went to six seasons together between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, went to four Eastern Conference Finals, made it to one NBA Finals where they lost to LeBron James in the Heat. 
we all know the story. Kevin Durant left when he goes to state, won two titles. Russell Westbrook won his MVP. I think we can both argue. I think we can both agree that Kevin Durant is the better player of those two. But he's Kevin Durant alpha. I think Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum in terms of their mental makeup is very similar. I think these guys are elite scorers. There's no doubt about that. But are they alphas? Are they leaders? Kevin Durant still has really not won a title by himself. He had to go to Golden State to win it, and then he tried again as the number one option. Brooklyn didn't work out, and he's really doing a one A one B type thing in Phoenix with Phoenix uh, with the Suns and Devin Booker. And Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown as good as Russell Westbrook was at that point in his career? I don't think so. Um, you could, I think Jalen Brown was certainly a better is certainly a better scorer than Russ was at that point, but Russell Westbrook was such a good all around player. That that far exceeded the scoring difference between the two, far exceeded. Now, do you break up the two? Let's let's talk about the money here for a second, because that's really what comes down to. Jalen Brown has one year left on his contract extension. There's really two options right now, two options right now. He can either, a. Extend him. There's three options, I would say. A, extend him with the Supermax. Five years, 290. We'll get to that in a second. B, extend for... It's just regular contract extension. That's another option. C, trade him. Or D, keep him and then let him walk. Those are the options that you have. Now... It's important you note two things. If Jalen Brown is traded, he will not be able to get a Supermax from another team. Because the entire point of the Supermax was to keep players in their small markets. Per Kevin Durant, from Oklahoma City going to Golden State. Per LeBron James going from Cleveland to Miami. Per a guy like possibly Paul George going from Indiana to OKC to to the Clippers. That's really why the basis of the Supermax was founded. So guys, so teams like Milwaukee would be able to keep Giannis. And teams like Dallas will be able to keep Luka Doncic. If both of those teams should choose. So Jalen Brown will not be able to make the Supermax anywhere else in his career. Unless it's not in Boston. Now, if he gets traded... He's basically a one-year rental. That's what he is. That significantly decreases his value. Now those trades I mentioned, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Damian Lillard. Obviously, I'd rather have Damian Lillard. But that's a one-year rental. His value's not very high. Now, if you trade him to a team and he re-ups there, then he gets $215 million. The third option is... Which I think is very unlikely as you just play out the year. That's extremely unlikely and they're not going to do that. Now, if you trade Jalen Brown or if he earned the rare significant or in the rare chance that he leaves next summer after next season, the highest he can be offered is four years one eighty four. That's forty six million dollars. Whereas you look at the Supermax and that's million AAV, all AAV. And you look at 
a deal that would potentially be five year two fifteen if he were to sign with another team, which is forty three million dollars. So I mean it's a it's a difficult decision. Look, do I think he's worth the Supermax? No. Pulling up the list of average annual values, because this is interesting. If Jalen Brown were to get the Supermax, five years two ninety corresponds to about fifty eight million a year. Highest I'm gonna read you the ten highest players in AAV. We'll go to we'll go to fifteen actually. Let's go to fifteen. Number one, Damian Lillard, sixty million. If the Supermax is signed, Jalen Brown would be two. But right now, Devin Booker's two at fifty six million. Cat's at two with fifty six. Yochik is at th- four with fifty four. Curry's at five with fifty four. Joel Embiid's fifty two. Bradley Beal's fifty. Jimmy Butler forty nine. LeBron James forty eight. Durant's at forty eight. Giannis is at forty five. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both at forty four million. Luka Doncic's at forty three million. Zach Levine's at forty three million, and then Trey Young's also at forty three million. Now, if I were to rank these guys, right, just going down the list, Damian Lillard, better than Jalen Brown. Booker, better than Jalen Brown. Cat, better than Jalen Brown. Is he worth $56 million? No, but he's better than Jalen Brown. The Joker, better than Jalen Brown. Curry's better than Jalen Brown. Embiid, better than Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is right around this Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James here. He's probably a little better than some of those guys, a little worse. Granted, Giannis and Giannis is probably underpaid at 45, and Durant at 48 is probably around Jalen. He's probably a little bit better than Jalen Brown, and LeBron's probably a little bit better. But Jimmy Butler and Bradley Beal are pretty comparable to Jalen Brown, I feel. So that's seven through ten range. So that is basically 50 million to 48 million. So let's call it 49 million. 49 million would correspond to five-year, 245 million dollar deal. That is a possibility. They can. Ex- I think something that people need to realize is that they the Celtics can extend Jalen Brown without trading him. Uh, extend Jalen Brown without him signing the supermax. Excuse me. That's a possibility. If it comes in around five year, two forty five million dollars, he's about forty five million dollars short of the supermax and thirty million dollars short of the value that he would be able to get. If he was traded and then re-upped with that team. But let's say the Celtics send him to a team like the Pacers, for example. And he clearly wants to leave. Then he's getting four-year 184. So the question is, do the Celtics meet him in the middle and say, look, we'll give you five years, 255 million. That's 35 million from the Supermax. And that's 35, that's about 40 million from the potential value that if you were to re-up with another team. Is 50 million, 50 million, 51 million still a very overpriced for Jalen Brown? Yes. I still think it's overpriced. That put him in ahead of a guy like Kevin Durant. But that's kind of the going rate for these guys. That's kind of what you're going to have to pay. And you don't have to get into another situation where Jim, Jason Tatum is going to be offered the Supermax after next year. There's no chance 
no chance that Jalen that Jason Tatum does not get the super max. Essentially, essentially, Jason Tatum's is gonna be five year three oh eight. That's around sixty one million dollars a year. That will be the highest AAV. Highest AAV in the league. However, while he can be offered this this year next year, the after the 2023 to 2024 season, this isn't gonna kick into the 2025, 2026 season, just like Jalen Brown can be offered it this year, but this isn't gonna kick into until the 2024-2025 season. So really, you're looking at a situation where the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown potential for two Supermax, they're not going to start at the same time until 2025-2026. So really, if you offer Jalen Brown the Supermax and he signs, you have two years to figure out if you want to trade him. And you will be locked into this Tatum-Brown duo for one year because you cannot trade somebody after they've signed the Supermax. So basically, let's say the Celtics offer Jalen Brown the Supermax at the conclusion of the NBA Finals. He signs He signs July 4th, hypothetically. I think if he gets the Supermax, he's signing it, as he should. This extension will not kick in until the 2024-2025 season, which is the same season where Jason Tatum can be offered the Supermax. But Tatum's Supermax will not kick in until 2025 to 2026. So you have two years until these two Supermaxes line up on the same timeline with each other. So really, you have two years until you have to make a decision based on these two. Now, if in those two years the Boston Celtics win a title... There's your answer. They're going to stay together. They'll pay both the Supermax. But if they flam out in the Eastern Conference Finals both of those two years, or even next year, and they try and get ahead of losing leverage with Jalen Brown before the Jason Tatum Supermax, then the decision can get kicked down the road. It can get kicked in next summer and the next summer. The question is, does Jalen Brown deserve the Supermax? I think that answer is no. I think that answer is no. But the problem is, if you offer him an extension, let's let's put it at $50 million a year, five-year 250 to make the numbers even. If you offer him that extension, will he get offended? And will he demand a trade? Because if she de- if he demands a trade, the Celtics lose all leverage. The Celtics have lost all leverage. And right now, if they were to trade him, they, the team's only getting a one-year rental. And I hate to say it, but Jalen Brown, especially after his eight turnovers, the, recent, the most recent one-year rental that got traded was Kawhi Leonard when he got traded from the San Antonio Spurs to the Toronto Raptors. And he won the title. And the Toronto Raptors would make that trade over and over and over again. But Jalen Brown is not what Kawhi Leonard was in 2019. The only team where Jalen Brown getting traded to, where it's the potential for a one-year rental, is probably the Lakers and maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell, where they have a serious chance to win the title. However, he's not going to get traded within the conference, so throw out the Cavaliers.
But the value for Jalen Brown right now, in my opinion, is not good enough to trade him. As bad as his game seven he had, and as bad as the series he had, you're not gonna get you're not gonna be able to get Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal back for him. You're you're just not that's not feasible. If I'm if I'm the Boston Celtics, I'm starting at five years two forty five. I'm saying, look, it's forty nine million dollars a year. That's right around what Bradley Beal's AAV is. Right around it, in between Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler, pretty much exactly. I think that's a pretty fair comp for where Jalen Brown is. Probably a fringe top fifteen guy. I would say both of those guys are fringe top fifteen guys. Jimmy Butler's probably more so. Definitely a top 15 guy where Bradley Beal's probably closer to top 20. And then Jalen Brown Wolf says, fine, well, I'm just going to play out the year and then I'm, I'll lose $70 million and sign with another team. That He's not going to do that. He's just not going to do that. And he's not going to request a trade. I don't think that's going to happen. I think if the Celtics really want to avoid problems, they'll give him the Supermax. But I I don't think that's a two-year window. And this is another problem that I have, just to go off on a quick tangent here, with the people that say, now, I just I know I just mentioned that you wouldn't be able to trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard at this point in there with what's transpired. And that's true. That's a true statement. But for the people that argue that this trade would close their window, that's not necessarily true. Because if you look at the cap situation... And these guys don't go to another NBA Finals in the next two years, which is a very real possibility. You've still got the reigning league MVP here. You've still got Giannis, who's arguably a, the best player in the league. Definitely top three. You've got a two-year window to at least make the NBA Finals. Definitely win it. If you flame out in the Eastern Conference Finals or earlier, both of those two years, the window's closed. Because the Celtics know that you cannot feasibly have two Supermax players on your roster if you're going to lose in the conference finals every year. You can't. That's just, that's not smart. That's not smart roster construction. So they get one of one of them. They get rid of one of them. Now, I understand Damian Lillard's older than Jalen Brown is. Damian Lillard is 31 years old. Excuse me, I do not believe that's right. I believe that at the time of his contract, I believe Damian Lillard is 32 years old. So he's 32 years old. He's probably got three or four good years of basketball left. Now, if you're the Boston Celtics, do you sign him to the Supermax and then trade him next year and try and get a guy like Damian Lillard, try and get a guy like Bradley Beal? That's that's a possibility. Then, you're open, then your window's about two, three years as compared to one. So... Do I think the Celtics are going to offer him the Supermax? Yes. Do I think they should? No. I think they should start somewhere in that ballpark of $250 million for five years. But they've got one year to figure this out. They've got one or two years, and, and they're going to have one of the best teams in the league again. They're going to have a top five, top three team in the league are going to be fighting for the one seed with the Bucs. But 
This people don't realize this. Just like people didn't realize in Oklahoma City, this window is closing a lot faster than people realize. And the Celtics' best chance was this year. That's a fact. That's a fact. You had the once you lose in the first round with one of the best players. You had LeBron James get swept. And look, the Nuggets have been easily the best team in the playoffs this this um this postseason. It's not even close. It's not even close. But but you're telling me that the Celtics can give them a fight. Grant Williams played great defense against Yochik early in his career. You could you couldn't tell me that. Okay, we're just gonna guard Jamal Murray, guard MPJ, guard guys like Bruce Brown, and just see if the Joker can score fifty on us. This, 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 it's a fact that this, this year was their best chance to win a title and they blew it and they absolutely blew it. Was part of that due to Jalen Brown's hand and Malcolm Brown's elbow and Jason Tatum's ankle? Yes. Yes. But this series should not have had to go seven games. It should have been over in five at the most, at the most. And it's important for the Celtics to realize this because I just don't see that firepower and that. Mental toughness from this team. So I think the DNA has to be changed. I don't think it's going to be in the form of Jalen Brown. But something, something's got to happen this offseason. But look, the Jalen Brown deal is going to hang over. It's going to hang over the Celtics and this region for really the next two weeks. Because nobody's paying attention to the Red Sox and the Bruins are out. And the Patriots are doing OTAs right now, but still. This is what's going to talk about until he signs it, until the Celtics either A, offer it, what they decide to do. That's going to be the topic. And hopefully, hopefully someone in that locker room realizes they missed a golden opportunity. It better be Jason Tam. It better be Jason Tam. It better be your best player. Um, but that is all. Um, we have time for today. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that conversation. Hopefully, you learned a little bit more about the contract situation in the NBA, um, stuff like that. Um, big thanks to SportTrack for that research. Um, very helpful. In addition to guys like Brian Winhurst, um, Jimmy Stewart from 98.5 The Sports, who also helped along with that research. But that will do it for me today, guys. As always, thank you for listening. Please visit our website, www.fromballparks.com. Our Instagram is there. Our Gmail is there. Our Twitter is there. Guys, please reach out with any positive or negative feedback, segment ideas. Um, we love to hear from you guys. Maybe if you want to be on the show, I'm sure we could figure something out. But that will do it for me today, guys. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Perry Morgino signing out with the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beer Sportscast. Have a good one, everybody.